There are many endings, but by God's grace and mercy, many beginnings. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning. Would you like 2020 to end? Are you ready for 2020 to end? That seems to be the general consensus. People uh, have all sorts of ideas about how they'll get rid of 2020. There will be an end to 2020, and there will be a new beginning. In reading a sermon by a graduate of Princeton Seminary, a man whom I've never read anything of his before, Michael Toy, uh, something struck me. He said in this sermon, this has been a year full of novel experiences and every little thing is cast in new perspective. And yet while the harshness of wilderness may be felt more deeply this year, the same ageless truths remain constant. We are just able to see them more clearly. The the fundamental truth of these wilderness seasons, meaning this time that we've been in, especially this year, 2020, is that we are waiting on an imperfect and broken world to pass. The season of Advent reminds us that no matter who we are or where we are in time or space, all earthly things come to an end. That is a reminder to us because in our readings we have endings and then we have beginnings in both of our passages. We are waiting for the end of this old, exhausted, sin-filled, corrupt, death-bound world to end and the new heavens and the new earth to finally come by an act of God Almighty. We have this in both passages, and it is our hope. We begin our gospel today with a beginning, the beginning of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This word gospel has many meanings and references. We use it for the gospel book on the altar. We use it for the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And Mark uses it in a little bit different way that we are not accustomed to because it is a proclamation. It's a proclamation of a victory. We are not in touch with how that would sound in the first century, but Bishop Barron reminds us that in the first century, this opening line of Mark's gospel simply saying, the beginning of the gospel of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, those were fighting words. Those were fighting words because the good news, the gospel, the eongelion that this word comes from was normally an imperial proclamation of a victory. So this was an imperial victory. Caesar would proclaim the good news that he had won a victory, that he had quelled a rebellion at the edge of the empire. So this is the news, the proclamation, and the victory, and everyone should be happy. 
Mark's words are subversive, though, because this is about a new Lord, not Caesar. This is about a new king, Jesus, the Messiah. This is about a different victory, the victory of God over sin and death through the incarnation, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, his anointed, his king, his Messiah. So you can hear something different now if you were thinking in first century terms because Jesus has conquered a different kingdom. He's conquered the world and all the powers of this world which destroy and corrupt the creation of God and the creatures of God. So this is a decisive victory. So the word gospel, proclamation, good news, is a proclamation of this victory that is accomplished in and through Jesus. It uh, begins with a quote from Isaiah and Malachi. The beginning of the gospel of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, according to Isaiah. He leaves out the Malachi, but Malachi and Isaiah are put together. And this messenger that he talks about from Malachi in the Old Covenant is a messenger that's coming to purify the temple. The temple needs purification and cleansing because the priests have become lazy. They've become lazy in their sacrificial duties and have been sacrificing animals that would not be according to God's standards and the law. Now, I don't think the priests have been lazy here at St. Francis any time that I can remember, but it can happen. The needed purification was that this figure would come and purify the temple before the coming of the Holy One. You can see the connection. Jesus is coming to purify not only the temple in Jerusalem, but to purify the entire world through his once and for all sacrifice, the cleansing and healing and purification of sins is enacted. It is the victory of God. Jesus himself sends the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, which is a purifying fire. And so John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals of the one that is coming after me. I'm baptizing you all in a preliminary way, a baptism of repentance in order to get cleaned up and prepared for the Holy One to come, the Messiah of God, the God-man. But I can just baptize with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And in another gospel, it says, baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And the fire is important today for the rest of our sermon because it is that fire that finally finishes ending the old order and helps create the new order, the final fulfillment of the kingdom of God in the new heavens and the new earth. So there is a restoration, a purification 
the final shalom of God in the new heavens and the new earth where peace and righteousness dwell. They're finally at home. Um, You may have seen in uh, our epistle reading that it actually says something about this. It says the elements will be dissolved with fire and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Part of the end of the age is, is that the judgment will come and all things will be revealed. This is a part of the judgment. They will be disclosed. And then, since all these things are to be dissolved, he asks a question for all those who wait for the new heavens and the new earth, who seek after righteousness and justice and love and peace, hopefully, which we are seeking. He says, in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be leading lives of holiness and godliness waiting for the hastening and the coming of the day of God, by which, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved and the elements will melt with fire. This is the fire of God to end the old order, the old life, and to create the new life. This purifying fire of God is our hope. It is the final end of the old and the beginning of the new. That same fire, that same spirit will be what we participate in, God's love, God's life, God's glory in the age to come. Well, since we are people just like those who Peter wrote to, we are waiting for things to end. We're looking for a new beginning. We long and we ache for a time when love and light and righteousness and peace and goodness and life rather than death reign. And as we look towards that vision, what are we called to do? Well, John the Baptist, Jesus himself, and the apostles all had one word for us. This one word is a simple word, but it is a lifetime challenge and process. That one word is repent. Repent. Repentance is not a one-time action. It's rather has a beginning and a lifetime of processing to do. This repentance is something that we're called to all throughout the scriptures And it may not be exactly what you think. Repentance actually means a change of mind. That's one definition. But it's not a change of mind. Like I decided to change my mind about having chocolate ice cream versus vanilla ice cream. It is a change of mind that has to do with a change of heart. And if you look at the Greek word metanoia, metanoia, Uh, you can see that uh, meta means a beyond or even a sort of a transformation, but a beyond. And the noose, the noose is the mind or can be translated spirit. So it's, it's going beyond your present mind or spirit about things. And so, of course, repentance has to do 
with changing course if you are bogged down in sin. Obviously, that is a part of the word because you're going the wrong direction and you're not uh, in the right way. You've gotten off the path. You're off the road. So if that is the case, we are to repent and to confess and then start going the right way. And if we have to set out a plan to help us do that, then that's what we're called to do. That would be a part of what repentance is. But there's another aspect of repentance where we go beyond our present mindset. We go beyond our present disposition. In fact, this repentance that has to do with the noose also has to do with the word noose as a center of the heart or the center of the soul. So it's a reorienting of the heart, the mind, the the soul that we would be in complete alignment with God and God's word and God's will and God's ways and God's commandments and God's vision that this world will finally end. And there is a new beginning by God's grace and mercy. And we are preparing ourselves for that new heaven and that new earth. And so... That is what we are called to. As we get older, we learn things. We learn things about ourselves. We learn things about life. We learn things about other people. There's no way we can know these things without this experience in life. Uh, I see some nods as I'm speaking in this particular congregation. You learn things. As I saw my mom and dad age uh, and then pass on, I learned things about the end of life and sort of how that might look. Best case scenario, I've learned things about myself and looking back and uh, in a process of repentance and reevaluating my own life. As we age, we learn things. And we need that experience to take those in. That's a form of repentance. That's why there's a song that say, young men laugh and old men cry. Because they are going through that process of repentance and reevaluation, learning new lessons. So repentance is a wonderful word and we shouldn't let it get uh, pigeonholed into a overly uh, overly moralistic or pietistic uh, framework. But uh, St. John of the Ladder, uh, one of the uh, most um, reputable sources of repentance and someone that wrote about uh, making progress in the spiritual life, one of the classics of uh, the spiritual life in Christian uh, literature and history says this, Repentance is the renewal of baptism. Repentance is a fresh start in life. I like this. Repentance goes shopping for humility. Repentance is critical awareness and a sure watch over oneself. Repentance is reconciliation with the Lord. Repentance is the purification of the conscience. And then finally, 
the heart experiences the grace of God first as a fire, a fire which burns up sin and the passions. And then when the passions burn away, it experiences God's grace and light illuminating our entire inner person. Now you can see the connection now between the coming of the Holy One, Jesus, to purify this world, the coming of the Holy Spirit to purify this world with the very energy and the very life of God, that purifying fire that in the end will finally do away and dissolve everything and create a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is finally at home, says Second Peter. Isn't that beautiful? Won't that be wonderful to be surrounded by righteousness and love and peace and joy and God's grace and glory and everyone who loves it and wants it? That's the new heavens and the new earth. Well, 2020 will certainly end. Our lives will end also everything that they're connected to and everything they have to do with. But the good news today is, is that there are new beginnings. By the grace and the mercy of God, there is the new beginning of the heavens and the earth of God's grace. Amen.